Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We are your hosts, David O. And Eric B. Today, we are joined all the way from the lovely continent and lovely country of South America with our guest, Andrea. How are you? Hi, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Um, so, I, I kind of gave it away, but where are you from, Andrea? I'm from Colombia. I live in Bogota, the capital city of, of Colombia. It's a beautiful country. I, I'm, I can't wait to get down to South America. Like my friend just visited uh, yeah. Machu Picchu, which I think, which is Peru, but um, yeah, but he he had a great time. I have I have one friend who spends half the year down in Brazil and loves South America. So I can't wait to to come and visit and see all the culture you guys have because I know it's beautiful and vibrant down there. Yeah, it's a must. Totally. Absolutely. So, uh, when were you first uh, introduced to recovery? I created uh, not a fake, but an alternative uh, Twitter account mm-hmm. because I wanted to speak about all the issues I have, the way I feel, and all these things that I think that I'm not ready to share to the people that are close to me or that know me because people tend to be very judgmental. So, I created this account mm-hmm. and I started talking to people that have um, similar issues that I have in accounts that have like I don't know supportive things supportive words or different tips or things that we can use on our daily basis mm. so I, I found you guys and I thought it was amazing and I really love all the content and all the things that you do with your page and your different social media so that's how I got to you awesome thank you so how long yeah. How long have you been on your uh, road of recovery? I think like two years. Uh, it's been like a short path, but it's been long, yeah. it's hard, and I'm happy to to be doing it. Awesome. Well, with all that out of the way, uh, I'm going to turn it over to you to share your story with us. So take it away. Okay, perfect. So um, I have BPD, which is um, a um, borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. which comes with anxiety and depression. I have like extreme anxiety and mild depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been struggling with all this anxiety and all these things since I was a child, but I didn't have enough tools to know what's what's going on. I thought it was normal. I thought I was like a normal person in the world that had issues and that was feeling wrong. No one ever asked if something was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And that's something I, I think that people should encourage their kids and their friends to stop being so superficial and thinking people are like badly raised or mm. stupid or emotional and just that. Yeah. So I grew up feeling weird, feeling anxiety all the time, feeling always fear of abandonment with my mother, with my boyfriend, and mm. it was very hard for me. Uh, I couldn't even go to a trip with my school because I was always feeling anxiety. Didn't know at that point that it was anxiety. I only felt like I was literally going to die. So mm. It was horrible. And when I, go, when I went to college, um, I had a boyfriend. Everything turned up very, very bad. Um, I went to a lot of therapists but no one asked deeper, like tried to go deeper to the, the main issue of my problem. So it, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, when I 
ended one of my relationships when I was young. I had a lot of relationships, very short and very toxic. Um, I went to a psychiatrist because I couldn't go to, to college to study because I was in a breakdown. So mm -hmm. I needed medicine to, to, to be okay so I can study. So I went there and the psychiatrist gave me some medicine, but she told me she wanted to get to the point of the, of the problem. Mm -hmm. So we worked together towards a diagnosis. So we were studying, learning, getting to know myself. And that's how I knew I had borderline. But when she told me and I saw the symptoms and all the, the things that it was with the disease like that, I didn't pay attention. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't care. I only need the medicines. I only need to be okay. So I let it go very, very soon. Mm -hmm. So a lot of years went by. I had the worst moment of my life uh, between those years. I had to go to my first job that was an internship in another city, had to move cities, had to change all my comfort zone dynamics. Mm -hmm. And um, it was the worst moment of my life. I think that it's, I don't want to live that again. Mm -hmm. I went all the days to, to the work. Um, I threw up all the mornings. Ooh. I had panic attacks. I, want, I didn't want to be awake. I was only, I would only sleep and it was very, very hard for me. No one understands that mm -hmm. like I was struggling so bad. People thought it was something like, oh my God, you're stressed. Okay, it's okay. Don't think about it. All these things that people, the, the phrases that people use to make you feel like you're so stupid for feeling or saying the things that you're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, even my even my boyfriend, that now is my husband, he didn't understand and he thought that I was hurting myself by throwing up every morning, but he didn't understand that there was something bigger, getting bigger and bigger each time mm -hmm. um, that was going to, like, break me down. Um, I stayed there for six months. It was awful. All that I was thinking at that time was, Like, if I die tomorrow, I'm going to die so sad and so miserable. I don't want to live like this. Mm -hmm. It was so sad. I didn't have suicidal thoughts, but I felt like my life was worthless. Mm -hmm. um, time went by. I graduated college. I started a new chapter of my life, but I decided that I didn't want a job that made me go to an office and from uh, time to time. And make me feel like that because in that in that office I always felt like everybody hated me that everybody was talking about me mm. and it wasn't true but that was the way I felt and that's the disorder that's how the disorder makes us feel mm -hmm. so I got a job that was different I could handle it I learned how to struggle I had different issues personal issues emotional but I was better than that time And then I tried again to go to an office, and it was the worst. And mm. I lasted only for two months, and I decided that I wasn't capable of going to that type of life, that type of job. But I was not ready to give up on the, on the fact that I was able to have a life on my own, mm -hmm. that I didn't need to depend on my husband or my parents to be like a, like a functional human being. So I started my own company. I have a digital marketing agency. Awesome. And that yeah. was a way 
Yeah, thank you. That was a way to work, to have income, but on my own terms. Like mm-hmm. defining how I want to relate, to have a relationship with people, clients, uh, employees, everyone, but making myself secure. So in mm-hmm. that specific moment, I got a dog. She's amazing. I love her. Mm-hmm. But she gave me anxiety too because I travel a lot and I didn't want to leave her alone mm-hmm. or with someone else because it's very hard for me. So I was talking to my best friend and I was saying, okay, let's, I would love to have an emotional support animal. I would love to have like something I can use to have this emotional support thing. And I told her like, oh my God, I'm going to tell you something. Years ago, I had a diagno- diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Like, like I was with BPD. That's crazy. And she was like, okay, wait, I want to know what's BPD. And she got on the internet and started reading about the all the, all the disease. Mm-hmm. And she was so surprised and so sad because it was all that I am. Like all the symptoms, all the things that you carry with the disease, I have it. And I have it in my day by day and it's a struggle. But we didn't know what it was. What it was. So... She was very sad. She was very surprised. Mm-hmm. And she encouraged me to, to look for help and to take more responsibility for this diagnosis and to make it make it better for my life. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I, I started looking for therapists. We have this special treatment that it's dialectical behavioral therapy. It's very specific. Not all the therapists do this. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of therapists think that this is our, our disease or our disorder is not treatable and that it's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to find someone, in, in, especially here in Colombia, we don't have a lot of people that are like good in this. So I found someone, I started going to therapy and I decided that I, w- I wanted to change my life because I don't want to live um, guided and determined by a disorder even though i know i'm going to have it the rest of my life Mm -hmm. it's hard because it's like you're living with someone else inside of you yeah um so i started going to therapy i started knowing myself understanding myself because we tend to be a lot very judgmental of ourselves and not everyone else Mm -hmm. and it's very hard to to talk to you with love and tell you it's going to be okay and it's okay to be sick in, in some way because it's it's really a disease. Mm-hmm. So I went to therapy once a week, started dealing with a lot of topics that I didn't know I had inside of me. I used to blame my dad because of all the issues that I have. I always thought it, it was his fault and then I discovered that it was not my fault, but it was my decision. You know, um, mm. borderline starts when someone abandons you in some way. Mm. And I always thought, okay, it was my dad. He left. But no, it was me abandoning me myself. So it was very, very hard mm. to understand that I, I made that choice when I was little because it was the easiest choice. But that was the fact that made this all happen. Um. So I started working on it. I started um, going to therapy, doing talking to people, talking to my family, my friends, explaining them all the things that I felt because I thought I needed to create a safe zone with people that could understand me and could help me. Hmm. It was hard 
sometimes I felt like people around me were taking advantage of the things that I was telling them. Mm-hmm. Like my breaking points, the things that, I, that make me weaker, that I felt sometimes they would use them. But I think that it, it was worth it. Um, when I told my mom and my dad and my sister, I think they're all, they all have their issues, their emotion, emotional issues. Mm-hmm. But I was the only one in the family brave enough to come, like to do a step forward and say, okay, I need help. I, I need someone to help me because I know this is not okay. Mm-hmm. So they were afraid, and their reaction was like, okay, I'm not doing this. They were very angry, very defensive, and it was hard, but it didn't stop me. I needed to do this for myself, not for them. Mm-hmm. It was a process that included all these people, but it was for me. So I kept on going, kept on dealing with different day-to-day issues, little things that I made giant. And really, the the things that make me like get better, I stopped therapy um, on April, I think, this year, mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't have the the time, and I made excuses, and I know it was not like the best decision at the time. Mm-hmm. But then I did a stop on the way, and I started reading, investigating, and getting all the information I could get from BPD, mm-hmm. and I think that that pumped with the therapy make me it made me so much better mm-hmm. i i like to i'm a political scientist so i love to research and to get to know more information from things and to understand the reasons mm-hmm. so doing that i learned a lot about about myself and i have learned how to teach people about it and we have a like i think that's a world problem the stigmas about mental illness, mm-hmm. the things that if you tell someone you're going to therapy, you're crazy. Yeah. If you tell someone you're dealing with a mental illness, you're that something's not okay with you, but you're so crazy and it's so funny and it, and it isn't. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure we all have some issues and we should all go to therapy mm-hmm. because we don't know when these issues are going to become like a bomb and yeah. they're going to explode. Yeah, And we're all... We're not free from that. Even if you ha- don't have a disease or you don't have a diagnosis, you can have a mental breakdown. You can have something that c- could lead you to a suicide or to something negative. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult to face. So I have, I've been thinking about trying to create more awareness in this environment. I mean, I know a lot of people, but it's hard to start talking about your issues because people tend to be very, very judgmental and instead mm. of comprehensive or, or I don't know, so supportive. Mm-hmm. But I think that I'm getting better. It's a struggle day by day. Maybe I can do a month, that perfect month where my emotions are totally okay and I'm okay with everyone and I don't fight. I have my anger management perfect and but maybe one day you can, I can open the door and feel all the emotions coming and everything goes to the floor. Mm. And the thing is that I have learned that even if that happens, that doesn't mean that all my work was in vain. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, uh, it's something you go, you build day by day. But the fact that it's uh, like a, uh, 
something breaks from your construction, it doesn't mean the whole thing failed. Yeah. So I've been, I've been learning that, but I think the most important part is to teach the ones that are near me that it's not like I'm, I don't have uh, intention to be a better person or I don't want to be better or I don't want to treat them well or like they deserve. It's like a struggle that sometimes can beat me. Sometimes I can't be better than my disease. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. It's not, it's not something I should be feeling guilty about it. It's something I, it's going to happen two or ten years from now. Mm-hmm. But maybe if I still go to therapy and I still research and learn different types of coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. I can do it better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, that was great. All right. We definitely have some uh, questions for you. And I started last Perfect. time, so you may start, Eric. All right. Um, well, okay. So I, I don't know if I missed something here. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this question. Were, you said you were throwing up every morning for a little while. Did you say something about that? Right? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So was this was this from an eating disorder or was this from anxiety? It was from anxiety. Okay. Um, with therapy, I I understood that there's a lot of ways of you hurting yourself. It's not only cutting. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I learned that this throwing up was a way of hurting myself. Ah. I so, wasn't so you were doing it like voluntarily. It, it yeah. You, yeah. I was going to the bathroom and making myself throw up. Oh, okay. So you wow. weren't doing it in a way of like self-image or bulimia or purging. You were doing it more as a form of self-harm. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that at that moment, but yeah, I was. Wow. Okay. So, all right, that that changes my question a little bit. Um so I'm I'm a cutter or I was a cutter. Um so I I do know I I have experience with self-harm. Um and I, I guess what, what do you do? Cause I, I know, I know with, you know, and I mean, it's with anything where it's all, it all really comes down to control, but especially with like self-harm and, and at least from what it sounds like the way you're describing your anxiety is this, that purging was a way to control your, how you felt and what you were doing. Cause I know whenever I, I have a, like those moments of extreme anxiety, I don't feel like I'm in control. Um, so how, how does that, you know, how do you not go to a place of where, I don't know whether it's like picking or, you know, cutting or like a form of self-harm, any self-harm. I know we've talked to people who've had very interesting forms of self-harm, but anything that's not a productive, like for your well-being, how, how do you not go to that place when you reach and, you know, I'll, I'll ask a question later, probably about your anxiety, but how do you prevent yourself from going back to a place of where if you don't feel like you're in control, like reverting to something where something like that, something like purging, like a negative behavior? Yeah, um, sometimes it's very hard to do it and to control it. Mm-hmm. But what I try to do is to be very, very rational about what's going on and mm. to understand that the feelings that I have, the need to throw up are in my head uh-huh. and I try to distract myself to do some meditation to listen to some music or maybe to talk to the people that I'm near to to tell them what I'm feeling 
because sometimes I wake up with a lot of anxiety and my, my stomach hurts. So I close my eyes and I try to relax and to tell myself it's all in my mind. And it really, really works because it's, if it's something physical, you should throw up if you're sick, right? But if yeah. you know that it's something you're, you're using as an excuse to do something else, and you're in a point where you can control it, that's the way. But sometimes we go to a point where there's nothing else to do. And that's the hard part. Mm. But thankfully, I've, I haven't been there for a long time. Um, sometimes I really get very, very anxious. Um, I got arrhythmia because of my anxiety. Mm. So it's very hard. But I have been trying to talk to myself a lot. I think that people don't usually talk to themselves. We love to talk to others, to post things on social media, to make people think we're thinking different things, but mm. we don't usually talk to ourselves. And, and, you, and recently, I talked to myself in a way I didn't ever in my life, and it was with so much love and compassion that mm. it was amazing the way that I felt. And I think that that's very very helpful mm. awesome yeah. all right so i i kind of have a two-part question so okay. what are like the most common symptoms of like uh your bpd and your anxiety like tell tell us a little bit about like how how it manifests or shows itself like in your thinking or behavior and then what are some of the external factors that are triggers for those symptoms? Okay, so symptoms. I have a big issue with anger management. Mm -hmm. I tend to explode with very small things. I don't know yet how to manage this anger, especially towards the people that are very near me. Mm -hmm. My husband, my mom, my sister, these people that I have a lot of trust on and that I feel sometimes that are um, very like they're always going to be there despite my behavior mm -hmm. um, all the relationships that I had until this one it was they were very toxic very hard very unstable um, also I always have this feeling that someone is hating me and talking about me mm. and if you text me usually hey Andrea and one day you just tell me, hey, I, I would be like imagining all types of stuff that you hate me, that I did something wrong. Why did I do? What is wrong with me? How could I hurt you that, this way? And it's all in my mind. Um, mm. I'm very impulsive. I don't know how to control myself in a, a lot of situations. Um, I've been, I have a lot of mood swings. It's not like bipolar. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a lot. If, uh, it can happen that I love you today with all my heart, but you do something small and I hate you with all my heart and it's, mm. you're the worst person ever, but tomorrow you can make it up so I can love you to, tomorrow. So it's very, very hard for me. And it's all black or white. There's mm. not grace. There's nothing in the middle. So either I love you or I hate you. Either you're good or you're bad for mm. me. And it's very hard because I have this very close-minded thing but at the same time I'm very open-minded so it's like a real real struggle and that's why I tell you that it's like having someone inside you that mm -hmm. sometimes 
make the decisions for you and the way you talk to people, the way you relate. I'm very, and uh, in the part of anxiety, I don't like going out. I love to be in my house. I, mm -hmm. I love to be in a very small space. I don't like talking to people, relating to a lot of people. I like to go at night uh, out. I don't know why, mm -hmm. but I don't like it. Um, and the anxiety, when I feel it, it's more, it's something physical. I, I think that everything's shaking, that I have an ache in all my body, that I can be okay, that, I, that something's going on, but I don't know what. Mm. So it's always like a danger alarm, yeah. but you know what's going on. So it's very, very hard. And the way that's like reflected or that way that affects other people, it's very, very difficult. Um, I have a friend that has been very supportive. She's always researching about the BPD to understand why I am like I am. Mm -hmm. uh, but my relationships are very affected for this, mm -hmm. with this, because with my mom, I have a lot of issues with my dad, too, my sister, because they don't quite understand where I'm going and what's going on with me. And with my previous boyfriends and things, it was very toxic because I wanted to have the control all the time. Mm. I wanted to know this person wasn't going to leave me alone, leave me alone and abandon me. Yeah, and, and a very exam big example of something that I, I now I say like what the fuck was going on with me mm -hmm. was when I had a boyfriend the first boyfriend that I had and he went to sleep uh, without telling me and I thought and this wasn't only one time it was like a hundred of times mm -hmm. when he went to sleep and I called him and he didn't answer I thought he didn't want me he didn't love me and then we were broken up oh, so wow. I cried all the night I wanted to die the whole night. And then he woke up and I was like, hey, I love you. What's going on? And it was very hard to me, for me to understand. Mm. He went, when he went to, to travel the world or to some places, it was like someone killed me. I, started, I stopped eating. I stopped going out, cried all the day. So it was very, very hard for me to deal with all this. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very difficult for people that um, are very close to me. Mm -hmm. And but I'm trying day by day to make it easier for them by understanding me as mm -hmm. I change because I can change and I can get better from one day to another. So it's more a process when they uh, where they understand me and where I can start changing and yeah. getting better. All right. And uh, a quick follow up: Have you been able to? Um like come up with like a list of like certain things that will set off that anxiety or or anything else um like beyond uh just like going out of your house like are there any like things um i don't know like what 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 sort of things will set off those anxiety attacks okay i have i have a few yeah one of them is it's very, like, stupid, but it's not. Uh, I hate when people ignore me. Mm -hmm. If I'm talking to you and you're, you're deliberately ignoring me, it's crazy for me. It's like you set me on fire. Ooh. It's the worst thing you can do for me, and my anger management is crazy. Mm -hmm. It's like the person I tell you that it's inside of me to control. Yeah. Um, another thing 
I don't like injustice. So if I'm talking to someone and they don't see my point and I know I'm right or I know someone's doing something wrong or something goes wrong, I I tend to to get crazy about it mm. and it gives me it gives me a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Also, if something goes wrong, I tend to blame people, even if it's my fault or no one's fault. I I like to look for for guilty guilty people around. Mm -hmm. um, I get anxiety when I can't control the situation. So, with my digital marketing agency, mm -hmm. if a client isn't happy or if they're leaving and I don't have enough money to pay my employees, that makes me very anxious but I've learned how to manage that because it's a real reason you can be anxious about it right yeah. so that's something different mm -hmm. uh, when I talk to someone through text message or something <laughs> like that and they don't answer and I know they're usually answering very fast that gives me anxiety mm -hmm. the fact when I'm fighting with someone a friend a family member that gives me a lot of anxiety because I'm always trying to be happy with and in good terms with the other people. So that makes me very, very anxious. And I think that's, okay, my dogs, my dogs. I'm always feeling anxious if they're not okay, if I have to leave them alone, if I'm going to travel. That's like a weapon because I love them and they give me a lot of security and they make me a better person. And I'm pretty sure there's a reason why I'm always better. Mm -hmm. But um, the fact that I can't control what is going on to go with them that makes me a lot of a lot of like anxiety and very angry and everything. And I have to control everything, so I need to get up and know what I'm going to do from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. and day by thing by thing and plan it and make everyone do it as I say and it's very very difficult because I'm not like the queen of the world yeah. and the people people are not going to to be there to do as I please mm -hmm. so it's hard I'm not I don't do it for control like that but it, it makes me secure to know what it's going to happen next mm -hmm. alright what have you got Eric cool um, so you were kind of talking a little bit about how, and I guess this is, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go down this path first. So you were talking about how your, your family and friends, you know, you have one friend who's very supportive of your mental illness and, you know, trying to help you um, understand it and, you know, learn ways of managing it. But you kind of spoke a little bit about how other people in your life kind of write it off. Um or kind of dismiss it, um, which I, I can personally relate to. I know, you know, I, I think I was talking about depression um, with, you know, one of my, someone close with me. And, you know, I, I remember my father, even when I did, went to therapy a lot, he was just like, oh, well, you know, blah, blah. Like, that's not a real thing. And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, it is a real <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, so yep. slow down. Um, you know, it's not a pseudoscience. Like, uh, so, but like, how do you respond to those who kind of think you're, you know, that your issues aren't valid or aren't important? Like, how do you, like, you know, how do you treat that situation? How do you respond? And, you know, how do you kind of, like, 
I don't know, maybe try to, you know, either enlighten them or just kind of move on from it? Yeah, so the first thing is that I don't like to use my illness as an excuse, but sometimes you really have to use it. You really have to remind people you're not okay and that, that there's something bigger than you sometimes that are controlling the way you act, the way you think, the way you feel. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes people, if you forget it, it's okay. We, I'm, I always, sometimes I forget about what my condition about, but I hate it to do it, but it's very, very important to do so. So um, I'm always reminding, especially my husband, that, okay, I know I'm not acting the way you expect, but please, please try to understand. It's not me. I'm trying as hard as I can. But the thing is that people around me, they're not doing, they're not saying to me out loud, you're not sick. It's bullshit. This this is something you're making up. But the way they act, around my behavior that that says everything mm. so why what I try to do it breaks my heart it really breaks my heart because I'm trying as hard as I can to be better but I can't always do it and that's part of being human and even if you don't have an illness you don't have an addiction you don't have something you're not always going to do it the best way you can mm-hmm. so um, when they act like that I try to remind them my condition, try to make them read about it, to get to know more about it so they can understand by others what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. Because maybe with that information, they, they can see that it's not made up. It's not me saying whatever I, it crosses my mind. Um, but it's very, very hard. And sometimes I can't help it. I can help it to break down and to feel like it not worth the, the the effort, not worth the try, because they can't, people only see what they want to see. Mm-hmm. So if they want to see something crazy, someone crazy that is making up diseases to to justify their behavior, they're going to see that. Mm. But it's a real, real struggle struggle inside. It's really fighting someone you don't even know. Yeah. So I try to make them more, more like smart and to read more because information is everything. If you have information, you can start to be more, more supportive and to understand more people by my, thanks to my disease, I started to be less judgmental and to understand when people talk about their problems. So I think that's the, like the main tool we have in this cases. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay. So, I want to go to a more positive note. So um, what exercises or tools do you use to uh, fight your BPD and your anxiety? Like what things help you the most when you're um, in a crisis mode or in um, sort of one of those – when you're feeling symptoms, what helps you the most and uh, gets you through those times? Okay, sometimes talking about it with someone that can be understanding. Um, when I have my anger like crazy going on, mm-hmm. uh, my therapist taught me to go to the bathroom, fill the, the sink with cold water, and get my, my face 
going on with cold water the whole time. Mm-hmm. Because the anger expresses themselves in the body with heat. Mm-hmm. So if you get it, with, you, you use cold to, to break it and to cool it up, it is very, very effective. I also have a lot of um, songs that I really, really love. Mm-hmm. That since the first time that I listened to them, it was very calming, so I listened to them too. And in, on the daily basis for the anxiety and for the anger and for the emotional control, I go boxing, and it's very, very good. Mm-hmm. When I go boxing on daily basis, my anger uh, is very, very diminished. So it's very good. Um, I don't use medication right now. Mm-hmm. I don't. I know a lot of people need it, but really need it. But I'm trying to work on me uh, to the point I don't really need the medication. Mm. And um, sometimes going out with my dog to a park or even cry and let my emotions go out without hurting others. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect way to do it. Um, and the, the best advice that I have is to not let more triggers go inside when you're in a bad place because yeah. it's very, very hard. And then you go to a non-returning point and that's nothing. When you go to there, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Not water that can work, nor not a song, not a friend, nothing. That's something that that's when the other person takes the power. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. Love that. Great answer. Um, okay. So, uh, you, you mentioned it like brief, briefly, um, talking about um, meditation and then you just sort of uh, mention it again uh, about like talking to yourself and in a really loving and caring way. So um, how much have you looked into like mindful meditation or yoga or any sort of um, uh, mindfulness to really try and harness your inner positivity and inner energy to uh, help combat and, and be an extra tool in uh, the fight against your uh, disorders? Yeah. Um, first, I've always loved yoga, but I haven't found the way yoga can help me on this emotional part. Mm-hmm. But I know people can find it. Um, I think something that it's good to me that they have like a tool or a power thing to beat this disease is that I'm very positive. Mm-hmm. Despite all these issues and all the things, I'm always thinking that things can get better. Um, I got to know the uh, Buddhism mm-hmm. and the way they meditate, and it was life-changing. Mm-hmm. haven't done it for a while, but they, uh, when they meditate, they do a mantra that it's Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, mm-hmm. and this mantra is, amazing they it, it can calm you it can give you a new energy and make you forget about all the things that your mind is going so fast and so so crazy about um other things that i think it's very amazing i use mindfulness and when i'm having trouble to sleep i have a, a small app in my iphone mm-hmm. that it's called wildfulness mm-hmm. and there's very a lot of different sounds of the jungle and rainforest and things that makes me feel like in the moment. Mm. And I think that's the secret and mindfulness is very, very important because that's a fact. When you're worrying about what you did in the past or what you're going to do in the future and what's going to happen, you're going to embrace the mind 
can ha- have like a thousand thoughts per yeah. second in, in, in your head. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot. Um, so that's the tools that I have. The No one taught me how to talk to myself. I've always heard about the, the thing of you have to be gentle to yourself. You have to be loving to yourself. But if you check out, not even your parents, not the school, not everyone tells you how to be that person to yourself. Mm-hmm. They're always teaching you how to be loving to others, how to be respectful, but you always forget about yourself. That was something I did only last week, talk to myself and congratulate me and be supportive and be amazed mm-hmm. because of all the achievements I made. And we're always expecting people to acknowledge all the things that we're going to do. We're doing great, mm-hmm. but that's something we, have, we should start from ourselves. Mm. Even if not, if someone doesn't see the good and you did, you have to do it for yourself. You know how good you did. You know how good you are. So when I did that to myself, it was a very emotional moment that brought to me a lot of light. And I think that's something we should do on our daily basis. Absolutely. That's great. That's fantastic. All right, I think Eric mm-hmm. has a question for you. One more, yeah. One more. Um, so one question I have is, kind of around like you know i remember it was a few years ago i was going to therapy and uh yeah i've I've been in different fellowships for addictions before but i know one of my therapists he recommended actually going to kind of like a support group for depression and anxiety and i was curious if you've ever tried um a support group like for borderline and, or if you've thought about maybe like starting one within your area to kind of build a network of mm. people with you know similar a similar affliction to what you have. I haven't gone to a support group. I would love to do it. Haven't had the enough information to know if there's people here with that. I think that um, this disease or this um, disorder is poorly recognized. Mm-hmm. So. People usually tend to say, okay, you have anxiety. That's what you have. But they don't see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that you're saying the the option of forming a group here, it would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes all we need is someone else that can understand what you're feeling or what you're going through to be better or to or not to make a, a, like a bad decision. Mm-hmm, yeah. I know it's very easy to, to, to be made. So it would be cool to have someone else in this situation that can help by only gathering and getting to to listen and to support. Cool. All right. And um, my final question is, um, so you talked about how, how like uh, you found podcast recovery and everything. So how important, ha- and, and your Twitter like account, so how important has the support from social media been and how has it helped you um, kind of like he just talked about a support group. So has, has social media been that sort of outlet where you can talk to people and, and that think like you and feel like you and have similar disorders and... How amazing is that opportunity? It's it's amazing. It's like a blessing. Mm, social media tends to be so so false, so full of wrong expectations and full of wrong of 
fake life, and、uh-huh. it's very hard for people that are struggling with different types of diseases to be in this environment because we tend to believe fully what we're seeing.、Uh-huh. Um, I love the fact that I created this Twitter account. I love the fact that I can express freely about it because it it makes me feel. Proud of who I am,、mm-hmm. with the things that I have, the flaws that I have, and it's very, very exciting to have people that can be supportive and can be understanding about it. Because in, in the real life, in the offline life, you can find people, especially in Colombia,、mm-hmm. where all, they're all guided by appearances and they all fake that they're always faking their perfect lives. But we all know there's that's a lie, but、mm-hmm. no one tells them. In their faces, so it's you can't talk about it with anyone. So social media has been been amazing. I'm trying to find right now a tweet that it was very very like happy or exciting for me.、Mm-hmm. I I only tweeted that this. I'm close to a、uh, to a breakdown. I can't even know how to handle it. And someone that I don't even know told me, "Speak to you, to yourself with love."、Mm. And it was like so sweet, so full of love, so full of understanding. That is something I don't get on my real social media with the people that I have there. Yeah. So social media in this way, I think it's a powerful tool, and people should be encouraged to talk about themselves in a real way. Mm-hmm. In this spaces, yeah. All right, well, that, yeah. That was awesome.、Um, I think we are out of questions for you. We, I think we have a Twitter question.、Though. Oh, we have a Twitter、I、question. Think we have a Twitter、okay. question. We won't ask.、Uh, we do have a Twitter question from you, but we won't ask a、uh, Twitter question. Your Twitter question. We're gonna ask.、Uh, Why this not? Is, well, because I mean, it's her. It's her Twitter question. Okay. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I mean, so we'll we'll ask someone else's Twitter question, which、okay. is from Sarah Blizzard Robinson or at Satisfied Sarah. So, and this is a question for all of us. Topic、uh, we'll each share.、Um, but how has the concept of untraditional love affected your recovery or ability to seek recovery?、I'm、the untraditional what? Sorry. Unconditional love. Unconditional. Okay. Okay. So you can go I think first. That, yes. Yeah, it's very hard to just think about it, even because it. We've always had the idea that love is the love that the Disney movies have show us、mm-hmm. in, in every single way. Yeah. And the word unconditional, it's very hard to even understand. It's not easy to be unconditional if someone's hurting you, or if someone. Not acting the way you expected, or even if they're not controlling their emotions,、mm-hmm. I understand that we have a lot of unconditional love. I, my mom has limitless unconditional love to towards me, but because she had me. But when you're having friends or having relationships, it's very hard to put such a burden on on people because it's hard to understand, to manage, to feel.、Mm. Uh, I think that unconditional doesn't mean forever.、Hmm. Uh, it means that you can do it while you really can, with all your effort, all your love, all your willingness to do it. 
mm-hmm. but it's not there's a line between unconditional and self-worth with um, the ability to don't hurt yourself while helping others um, unconditional love is very hard to find because you can't ask for this without um, giving something back and sometimes we're not able to do it it's mm. very hard for it but I think that when someone loves you truly loves you they're doing their best and that's unconditional mm. but sometimes mm. there's a moment when they can do it anymore and that's part two of of understanding yeah all right that's great um how has unconditional love affected my recovery like that, yeah basically okay um I, I I'm a firm believer. I, I've always loved the quote from um, Gandhi that says, "Be the change that you wish to see in the world." And like throughout like my recovery process, I'm also um, I, I, I'm I'm recovering from my behaviors as well. Like I was a very hateful person. I was very angry as well. And one of my biggest tools is to really practice and embody that unconditional love and giving it away as much as possible because like my my sponsor has taught me that in order to like build self-esteem you have to do esteemable acts and that's something that's uh really benefited my recovery is being available for other people when they need help but like just like you said um there is a line of like when it be when it can become harmful to one person or the other because uh, people can take advantage of that unconditional love. Um, and mm-hmm. unconditional love, it, it, like you said, like with the Disney movies and fairy tales and everything like that, it, it, it's hard to be 100% unconditional. But what, what I think to be a unconditional relationship or, uh, and expression of love is... Um, not relationships are supposed to be 50 50 and it's not always that it's not always that way sometimes people are going through things so like say it's me and eric it's supposed to be 50 50 but maybe eric's going through something so i need Mm -hmm. to i need to be willing to make it that 70 30 you know what i mean Mm-hmm. I can yeah. I can take a little bit more responsibility to make up that hole of what we are as a relationship so we can make it through those difficult times because we all have those difficult times. And that's what recovery is yeah. about, yeah. is supporting each other in those times and getting better together. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. You like that, Eric? That was good. I, that was good. Totally. That was good. I, I'm, I'll, I'll give you a... Give you like an eighty-five. It's pretty solid. Fair. You know? That's a B. Um, fuck. Uh, what do you think about this? So, Eric's not a touchy feely person. Mm, no, I'm not. You're 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 right. Um, <laughs> like it doesn't really work for me. Uh, but I'll, I'll kind of I'll kind of give a reason. I'm not as, saying you're heartless. No, no, I'm not. Um, but I'll give a reason as like kind of wise. I I feel like I was. At one point, you're very you, um, you were a lot pricklier. Well, I was a lot before, but I was a lot more I was a lot more caring, and 
I, yeah. I, I, I would go out on a limb yeah. unconditionally mm-hmm. to help people. Yeah. Um, and I think that affected me in a way that by reciprocation mm-hmm. wasn't always there. Mm-hmm. So that might, that, that kind of, uh, created some standoffishness. Jaded. I was a little bit jaded mm-hmm. and even with the, let's, let's look at like, uh, my wife, right? Like when we were active in active addiction, mm-hmm. you know, she was using before I was using. And, you know, every time I found a needle, every time I found, you know, uh, a cap, like, you know, there was still unconditional love to say, like, all right, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. Blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, like, eventually that does wear you the fuck down. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I kind of like what you said, Andrea, where there's a point. Like, unconditional doesn't mean forever. Um, there is, there is a bottom line to unconditional love where, you know, when it, and this kind of goes back to codependency, when is this affecting me negatively? Mm -hmm. Um, because yeah, I, I can love, you know, someone unconditionally. I can love something unconditionally. I love my, my cats and my dog unconditionally. They're the best. They have no reason to ever, you know, they're, they're amazing. I mm-hmm. definitely like animals more than I like people. Yes, I know. Um, I know. Yeah, <laughs> clearly, I love. Yeah. So, but yeah. I'm saying that you know, and that that's an unconditional love. That's that, unconditional. Yeah, like, the support the anim, support animals can be that uh, that unconditional yes. love as well in a recovery situation. Un- unconditional, but I I think when it comes to like people. because yeah, people <laughs> like really with like be, being codependent. Mm-hmm. When I was codependent, before I kind of went to anger over anything else, is that, like, you know, being that way isn't healthy for me. Mm-hmm. So I had to remove myself from that concept. Mm. Like, I can love people, but, like, I can't let it negatively affect my mm-hmm. life. Or else, like, I will go into yeah. a terrible downward spiral of, like codependency where my feelings yeah are not as valid as someone else's mm-hmm. so it was a it was a choice that i made and like i'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's the right choice well it's it's loving people from a distance yes yes it's loving yeah. people from a distance and like understanding that i have limitations mm-hmm. in the way that i am capable of handling that certain emotion mm. all right yeah all right. i know it's a little bleak, yeah. but I agree. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's about it. We would like to uh, thank our guest, Andrea, for joining us this evening. Yay! Yeah! You, you did a great job, Andrea. Thank so there you was, very much. For, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I'm very happy to do this. It's the first time I've, I talk about this, so it's very, very cool to do it with you. Awesome. Well, yeah, it was, it was a pleasure, and you really did a great job. Um, I do have a favor to ask, thank though. You. So you, I, be- I believe, are our first Spanish-speaking guest, and we've had we've had somebody speak Russian and somebody speak French on our show. <laughs> so would you be willing okay. to just say a quick sentence in Spanish for us? Does it wait, 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 no, wait, a quick sentence in Spanish about like inspiration, not yeah, just like some, okay. say something inspirational yeah. in Spanish for <laughs> us. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll do it. Let me know what. Can I do it now? Yeah, yeah when you're ready. 
Ok. Um, todos tenemos la oportunidad de hacer las cosas de mejor manera, de salir adelante. Solo es contar con nosotros mismos y, y apoyarnos en los demás. That's it. <laughs> what did it, it mean? Because I don't speak Spanish. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it was like we all have the power to, to, to do it better and to be better. We only have to count on with ourselves and the, th the people we have close by. Awesome. That's beautiful. All right. Well, we're thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for doing that. Um, so we're going to do our <laughs> quick sign out here and then that'll be it. All right. Here at podcast, okay. here at podcast recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction and mental health. We work to bring the message of recovery to every person, wherever and whenever it is needed. We, we believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every person deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. So everybody, thanks for joining us and listening to Andrea tonight. Follow us on Twitter, follow her on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those good things. Most of all, stay safe, stay clean, and continue re your recovery. Thanks for joining